Grateful to be here. My name is Philip Yarbrough, and uh, I was thumbing my way to Troutman this morning, and Pastor Michael picked me up and asked me if I could preach, uh, and I said, yes, sir. So I'm here with you this morning. No, I'm kidding. Uh, he reached out to me uh, earlier this year and asked me, and I, I was delighted uh, to come and, and share the pulpit with him and uh, to, to support him and also uh, to, to be a ministry here at your church. Uh, and, you know, just being in Troutman at Troutman Baptist, uh, I think that uh, our churches uh, have to support one another and we're on the same team and we serve the same God. And I'm excited to uh, share a word with you this morning from Luke chapter 9. Uh, so if you have a copy of God's Word, I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 9. Uh, we're going to look at a few verses uh, towards the end of Luke 9. If you uh, have a page break there and you have to turn the page. Um, but this morning, I, I want to uh, just ponder a question. Um, you know, when, when you think about all the competitiveness of, of society, you think about competition, and competition can be awesome, it can be fun. I'm a competitive guy, I love to play uh, basketball, I love to, to run and, and play different sports, and so, uh, you know, I have a competitive nature, and I'm sure that many of you do as well, even if it's, uh, you know, something uh, in, in the arts, or if it's something that you like to do uh, for fun. Sometimes when you get your family together and, and you play Monopoly, things can get a little heated, right? Uh, you can play a, a fun game of kickball with your family, and next thing you know, it turned to tackle kickball, and things get uh, interesting. And so uh, this morning, I want to just make the, the statement that nobody likes to lose. I think when you really, like, invest yourself into something that you want to do well, you know, you, you don't want to lose. You're not going to be happy about it. I think in rare circumstances, maybe, you know, like you, you give it up for somebody else and you want to see them win. You want to have, let them have the win. And so, you know, that, that can bring you pleasure. But when, when we boil it down to us wanting to really like see ourselves like be the best that we can be, you know, failing is tough. You know, nobody likes to lose. Who likes to lose? And that's the question that I want to ponder this morning. But if you would, uh, pray with me as we, uh, b before we turn to God's Word. Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, we know that we don't deserve to know you, uh, to, to have a relationship with you, but because of your love, your grace, and your mercy, Lord, you have filled the chasm that sin has created between us and you. Lord, you have created a way for us to come into your presence. Lord, we invite your presence into this place this morning as we have sung praises to your name to, to remind ourselves of how great you are, of how faithful you are. Lord, as we look at your word and see this teachable moment that took place between Jesus and the disciples, Lord, I pray that, that we, we too can benefit from it, that we can glean uh, from this good word. Father, we love you and we praise you. Amen. You know, sometimes I think we put in the work, uh, but we still lose. You know, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I remember specifically a time, I was probably nine or ten years old, and uh, we had some family coming to town, and specifically my uncle uh, came and stayed with us, and it was a holiday weekend, and uh, I, I was really good at Madden in my mind, okay? Uh, I beat the computer all the time. I had, you know, my favorite team that I played with, and uh, my uncle decided to sit down and play with me, and I, I mean, I don't, to my knowledge to this day, I don't think he had ever played 
the game, Madden, and he beat me, and I was so mad. I remember I was so mad my parents sent me to bed because I was red in the face. I was upset because he had beat me at my own game, right? Like, how could this happen? How could this be that he beat me at my own game? Like, I'm supposed to be the best. I beat the computer all the time. You know, I play this game. I, I know it in and out, and he came, and he beat me at my own game. And looking, you know, at, at you know, how I reacted I see like this pride that I had built up, like I had created this area, this, this arena in my life where I thought I was the best. Like I wanted to win that all the time and I wanted to, to rule that for myself. And when we look at this passage this morning uh, in Luke 9 and, and actually in the second part of verse 43, it says, but while they were all marveling at all the things that he was doing, he said to his disciples, you take these words to heart, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this statement, and it was concealed from them so that they could not understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about this statement. Now, when you look at the Old Testament and you see the prophesying of Jesus Christ coming, the Messiah coming, you know, it, it's obvious for us now on this side of the resurrection uh, of, of some things that the prophets said. And they said, you know, this is how it's going to be. But when, when we get instructions for something now and somebody's trying to say, hey, this is how this is going to unfold. And have you ever given instructions before? And people's faces, they're just like blank stares at you. You know, they're, they're imagining still, they're, they have these expectations of what they think it's going to be. Even when you're explaining to them, this is how it's going to be, they miss it, right? I'm a youth pastor. I give instructions to games every time. And I'm like, how did you, how did you think that this is what we were doing? You know, like we, we somehow miscommunicated somewhere. This was written down for them to see this is who the Messiah is going to be. That he's going to come and he's going to be a sheep, right? Slain. He is going to die for our sins. When Jesus is explaining this is what's about to happen. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed. This is what's going to happen to me. There were so many that had read the Old Testament and they still could not comprehend. Like, you know, when, do you, when are you going to take the throne? When are you going to receive political power? When are you going to be in charge of everything? When are you going to rule and reign over the government and have all power and authority over them? Yes, He did. He does have all power and authority. But in, in such a different way that they could not comprehend because the way that they saw winning was different. The way that they viewed who Jesus was supposed to be, their expectation was different of who Jesus would be. You see, they had understood that he would come and he would be like a king to them all. But when Jesus said, look, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They couldn't comprehend it. It says specifically in verse 45, but they did not understand the statement, and it was concealed from them so that they could not understand it. And they were afraid to ask him about this statement. Man, that's a big verse. Like if you really just, just like sit here and camp out for a second, and you think about, okay, it wasn't revealed to them yet. 
How many of you have prayed for something and, and it hasn't been revealed to you yet? You can see that God is sovereign. You can see that God is faithful, that he keeps his promises. But how many of you have prayed for something you've wanted and desired for something, for God to move in a specific way, but it has not been revealed to you yet? Right? It hasn't been opened up to you yet and you couldn't see what, it, what God's plan was. It hadn't been revealed to them yet, even though, you know, some things have been explained to them. Well, in verse 46, you know, this, this misunderstanding then goes not only from the head, but to the heart. And it says, and an argument developed among them and as to who of them might be greatest. But Jesus, because he knew the thoughts of their hearts, took hold of a child and had him stand beside him. And he said to them, whoever welcomes this or him had him stand beside him and who and to them, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me for the one who is least among you all. This one is great. You know, we just sang praises to Jesus. We, we sang of how great Jesus is how great God is and he came to this earth humbled himself first of all to be in the likeness of us the likeness of men but then humbled himself even farther to be crucified to be beaten right to be mocked to be humiliated how many of us can can level with that to say that we've been that low? But he says, whoever is the least will be great. That's why Jesus was the greatest, because he humbled himself in such an incredible way that he lived a living sacrifice. He gave of himself as a living sacrifice. That's who he was called to be. And we, too, are called to emulate Christ. We're called to live this life that Jesus lived. You know, I, I think that sometimes we put in the work and, and you know, we still lose. Like, we, we try so hard to, to do something very well to the best of our ability, but it still doesn't go our way, right? Or maybe something else breaks. Like, you try to, you know, have such an excellent service and then the sound system breaks, right? You know, and, and you guys do an awesome job even with this sound system that you have today. But sometimes, you know, the odds just seem like they're stacked against us. Well, I think that we can learn from losing. I think we can learn from failure. Actually, uh, you know, whenever one of my favorite sports teams loses, I, I think that we can all see, well, they exposed our weaknesses. We see that, you know, we need a big man in the paint, right? We need, we need help down low, getting rebounds. We need, we need to work on our foul shots, right? You see the weaknesses that are exposed, and then we, we grow from that. We work from there. We see that when we humble ourselves, that there's all of this that we need to work on. You know, there's greed, there's envy, there's lust, there's all these things that when we really low ourselves to reality, and we say, man, where are my weaknesses at? Rather than trying to cover them up and put on a smile, when we, when we stand before the Father and we say, Lord, I am completely open to you. I'm an open book. Father, work in my life. 
Use me. I know I'm not the greatest, but you are, and I want to serve you. And we get on that level of reality, and we see all the areas of our life that need help, that need work. We can see that there's room to grow. Rather than covering it up and acting like everything's fine and great, and we don't need the gospel, we don't need the word because you've been a Christian for umpteen years, right? We need God in our life. We need the gospel daily. And that's what Luke 9, 23 earlier tells us. It says, look, pick up your cross daily and follow me, right? Lay down your life. Pick up your cross daily and follow him. Chase after him. Chase after the Lord. Pick up your cross, understanding that you need the cross in your life. You need the gospel in your life daily. Not just that one moment at camp or that one time where you came forward. It's something that happens every day where you recognize in humility your need for God. Because that's who he came to be was our salvation. Every day we trust in his name. You know, uh, my first Hebrew quiz I ever took... um, uh, I, I just had it all kinds of messed up. It was open book, open note uh, at home. It should have been the easiest thing ever, but I was all kinds of confused. And actually what happened was I found out that I missed an instruction that I was supposed to download the Hebrew language to my computer. So when I went to take the quiz, nothing was actually in Hebrew. It was just a bunch of punctuation marks. And I was like, it was like define this term, period, semicolon, apostrophe, you know, parentheses. And I was like, man, uh, this is a different kind of Hebrew than I've ever seen. You know, this wasn't in the book. What's going on here, right? You know, I had studied for this quiz. I think some of you probably have had similar tests before where you've sat down and you felt like maybe you, you paid attention 50% of the time in class and then... You sit down in front of the test and you're like, am I in the wrong room? You know, did I fall asleep last week? Did I go into a coma and miss a month? You know, what's going on here? This this isn't the test I studied for. This isn't what I was expecting. Uh, My wife is a chemistry teacher and she tells me about it all the time. She knows that there are students that go in there and she's like, they had no idea that that was coming. They They missed the notes. And so, you know, we put in the work. But sometimes we still lose. We still see that, man, that we could have paid attention better. We could have understood like this was what was happening, but we still miss the point. We miss the truth, the reality that we need God every day in our life. And that's what was happening here is the disciples, they were missing it all. They had thought, you know, man, Jesus is doing all this awesome stuff. And, man, when are you going to take the throne? When are you going to take the power? When are you going to run for governor? When are you going to be in charge of everything, right? And you're going to have it all. Jesus said, man, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's what we're called to emulate. That's what we're called to represent. That's who we are called to be. Nobody likes to lose. But losing is a window into reality. A reality of our faith. A reality that Luke 9, 23 calls us to have recognition of our need for the cross. Have recognition of our need for a Savior. 
to be realistic in a way that we see our sin in our life, the areas that we need to work on, and lay them before the Father saying, Lord, come into my life. Lord, plant me like a tree beside the water so that I can grow in your grace and your mercy and your love and bear the fruits of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Lord, may I be full of the Spirit that I'm just overflowing, that I'm pouring out who you have called me to be. I'm pouring out the, the Son of Man. I'm, in a way, just sharing the gospel and the Word because it's literally a guide for my life. It's a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. And whenever I speak, your word is there with me. Your word is in my heart and my mind. And it, it, it impacts the words that I speak. You know, when you sit in a job interview and they ask you, like, towards the end, you know, they're asking you, hey, so tell us about yourself. And then the dreaded question comes. It's like, tell us your weaknesses. And you're like, I can't talk bad about myself. Like, I'm trying to get this job, you know? I'm not going to tell you, like, uh, I might be late for work a couple times, you know? Like, uh, I often oversleep, or I'm late because I, I see Starbucks, and I got to get that coffee, right? It's hard, you know? You, you, you try to think about it, and, and you, you almost want to twist it and be like, well, my greatest weakness is I'm passionate. I'm the hardest worker in the room, and... I don't sleep, you know, because I'll think about work 24-7. You know, like, that's my weaknesses. <laughs> we don't want to talk bad about ourselves because we don't want to, to, to be in that position of humility, right? We don't want to recognize that, man, we have faults, right? There's things that we need to work on. There's things that we need to grow through. But what a tough situation to stand before the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he already knows your weaknesses. But do we confess them? We say, Lord, forgive me for, for not doing the right thing here. Lord, forgive me for not being obedient when you told me to give and I didn't give. Lord, forgive me, Father, when I had a chance to speak and share the word, but I was too afraid of being rejected. Of, of, of sharing your truth. How many times do we confess that, that we've been wrong? How many times do we admit that we've been wrong? We don't want to. It's against our human nature. But Christ has called us to that level of humility. To accept that we've been wrong. To accept and to change in a way that we emulate God. You know, I think the first thing that we can pull away from this is just humility, that we have to be humble. That's what he's calling us to be. That's where the first mistake was, was they missed the point that that's what Jesus was called to be, and that was Jesus' nature to be humble. He said, you know, they were all marveling, but he said to his disciples, you take these words to heart. That means listen up, right? Listen intently. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. I'm about to be given over and crucified. And enter into the greatest example of humility of every, every moment in time. That's who Jesus came to be. is humble. 
The Gospel of Luke portrays the humility of Jesus in a way that gives us an understanding of Jesus' true purpose. And arguably, I would say the Gospel of John gives us the greatest uh, understanding of who Jesus was fully in his deity. And it's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible and argumentatively the greatest gospel. But when we look at the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and they share a lot of the same testimonial stories, we're looking at this passage that is shared in the other gospels, that it is talked about in maybe even greater detail. Luke is one of the shortest ones. And it says, look, You know, just straight to the point, this was a teachable moment for Jesus and the disciples. And that means for us, too, when he says, listen, take this to heart. Take these words to heart. Listen up. He's talking to us, too. Listen up. Take these words to heart. Jesus came to be humble. And so when this next mistake happens, it's because they, too, didn't understand humility. And they didn't understand that's who Jesus came to be. And that's who we're supposed to be is humble. So when the Gospels overlap, we see that, you know, he focuses, Luke focuses on the argument. And then the statement from Jesus that the the kingdom of heaven, whoever is least in it, or whoever is least in this world, will be great in the kingdom of heaven. That's who we're called to be. That's what we're looking for. We want to see that example that Jesus has set. The second thing, you know, is, is honesty. We have to be honest with ourselves about our weaknesses. And we need to be honest with ourselves about who Jesus was and who he has called us to be. Looking at this passage again, it says, And an argument developed among them, and as to who of them might be greatest. But Jesus, because he knew the thoughts of their hearts, took hold of a child and had him stand beside him. You know, when I read that, I think about like the incredible impact that that was probably on that child's life for him to have the hand of Jesus like put on his shoulder and say, you know, whoever is least among you. Like Jesus began teaching, you know, and he had pulled this child as an example and like to be that child standing beside Jesus in that teachable moment, like and to hear his words, what an incredible impact it was for his life. What an incredible thing for him to stand there and see Jesus say, you know, we have to be humble. Take these words to heart that I'm about to be betrayed. And this is the greatest example of humility that you'll ever see. Let's be honest. That's who we're called to be. Let's be honest. That's who that child saw was Jesus and his example. Look at the children in this room. Who are they looking to? Who has put their hand on their shoulder and said, take these words to heart. That the Son of Man was betrayed into the hands of men. And he gave his life in all humility for yours. And so in that, we too are humble. It doesn't mean that that you can't win. It doesn't mean that you can't be great at something. I'm sure that there's some people in here that have rebuilt the carburetor multiple times and that they're the pro at that carburetor, right? They're the pro at rebuilding a carburetor. You know, I'm sure there's some people that have written long, long passages or long papers. And so, you know, they're a pro at typing or they're a pro at creating words and putting them together. I'm sure there's somebody in here that can bake like nobody else in the business, right? And and that's that's their thing. They're the best at it, right? There's... 
it's okay to be honest and say, man, there's some things that I can do really well, but let me be humble in a way to not for my own glory, but to point it back to Christ and say, I can do it for his glory. I can do it for the Lord. So when the disciples said, man, you know, which one of us is great? Which one of us is the best at doing this, right? Which one of us is better than everybody else? Why weren't they just turning to each other and saying, man, I wonder how we could do better for the glory of God. I wonder how we could bring more people for healing or, or let more people be here to hear and see what Jesus has come to do, what Jesus is coming to be, even though we don't understand it. We want to be here to help Jesus in his ministry. Right To be there taking notes saying, man, one day Jesus is going to be betrayed. It's going to happen soon. So we got to get ready so when he's gone, we can share the gospel in the same way that he did. So that we can share the, share the truth the same way that he did. How can we be better at what we are gifted in to bring glory to God? That's what we see here. And Jesus is saying, look. Whoever is least among you, meaning if you're not bringing pride to yourself anymore, saying, I'm going to lower myself in such a way that I'm going to serve others and bring glory to God. I'm going to be least because I want to see him be great. Then you will be great in the kingdom of heaven because you get it. It's been opened up to you. It's been revealed to you to see this is who God has called us to be. And I think this is the perfect message for fathers on Father's Day. For us to see that there was a child in the room that was watching, right? There was somebody else there listening. Jesus put his hand on his shoulder and said, listen, take word to these, or take heart to these words. This is what's about to happen. This is who I've called, been called to be, to be humble, to be honest, but also to be holy. Man, that's a word that, that can seem foreign to us at times. When we really get down to the grassroots of it, of what it means to be holy, what holiness is. You know, I think families depend on honesty, and I think that businesses depend on honesty. I think that our world needs more honesty. Our culture needs more honesty. To be honest with each other, to be truthful when we're hurting, to be truthful when we need help, and to admit that we have weaknesses, that we need a Savior in our life. To be honest with ourselves and say, man, I've fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way is through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And to pick up our cross daily in those terms, to say, look, we need the gospel we need the Lord in our life. This holiness that we're called to only comes first through humility and honesty. We have to first humble ourselves under his mighty hand. And First Peter tells us, if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will lift you up in chapter 5. Just before that, it gives you warning of an adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But we need this humility to enter into the presence of God. We need honesty to prove that, or to prove to ourselves that we need a Savior. That that's who Jesus came to be was our Savior. Jesus humbled himself, and we have to be honest about it. But then this holiness thing comes into play. And Luke reminds us 
You know that humility and honesty lead to being holy because that's what Jesus was. Jesus was holy. He was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the Son of God. He is all authority and power. Everything has been given to Him. That's what Matthew 28, 19, and 20 tells us. That all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. That's what He says. So he's, He is holy. And the Gospel of Luke accounts for the life of Christ and, and why it should be an example to us all. We pull this out and say, look, we read sacrifice, humility, miracles, and what Christ made as a priority for his life. But what is our priority? Is it to be great? Which one of us is the greatest? You know, even Billy Graham needed a savior. If you lined us all up on the northern realm of the Grand Canyon and you told us to jump to the other side, I I'm, I'm guarantee some of you would jump farther than me. But the chasm is still far too wide for anybody to reach the other side on their own. We need a Savior. We need Jesus Christ in our life every day, daily. You know, I, I just cannot get over the fact that right after this, that Luke goes into the story of Jesus being rejected. Like right after this, Jesus has done some great things, but then he goes to the Samaritan village, and he's rejected. How many of us have been humiliated in the way that he's been humiliated? How many of us have been rejected in the way that he's been rejected? But yet that's one of the things I think that we fear the most is even on a minuscule level of being humiliated or rejected when we try to share the gospel or, or be faithful or, or to talk about our faith. It's scary, but holiness Holiness leads us into repentance, confessing our weaknesses. Honesty leads us into repentance, confessing our need for a Savior. Humility leads us into repentance and confession of our weaknesses because we are then recognizing, again, our need for a Savior, for Jesus Christ. And these things come together to lead us into a path of growth, away from weaknesses, but into strength and power and love, what he has called us to have. Because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us the power or the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He's called us into that. As I wrap up here, I want to tell you, you know, Psalm 119, in verse 25, it says, My soul clings to the dust, Revive me according to your word. I told of my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts that I may meditate on your wonderful things. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the deceptive way and graciously give me your law. I have chosen the faithful way. I have set your ordinances before me. Make me understand the way of your precepts. Excuse me. I cling to your testimonies, O Yahweh. Do not let me be put to your shame. I will run the way of your commands, for you will enlarge my heart. Humility 
honesty, holiness. It's what we've been called to emulate. And I cannot begin to describe to you the incredible moment that it was for that child, for those that were standing by to hear. Because even the disciples struggling to to understand what's going on here, what Jesus is doing, how this is going to unfold. You know, just put yourself in their shoes for a second. Think about something that you prayed for, that you wanted, that you longed for, for a long time. And you said, man, Lord, what is, what is your way? What is your path? What way can I better serve you? Or which way is the best to bring you glory? And we wait and we wait and we wait and we're not sure what it is. But then a moment comes where God begins to reveal some of his plans for your life. We patiently waited, but we didn't just wait. We waited in humility, in honesty, in holiness, knowing that God is there, that God is with us. And not only is God with you, but look at the little children in the room. Look at those that are standing by saying, You say there's a God. Show me. Show me that he's real. Show me that he exists. Show me that you truly believe that he is who he says he is. That the Bible is real. That it's something I can stake my life on. There's people watching. There's people waiting and looking to see what unfolds in your life with your faith. Can you point them to Jesus in your humility, in your honesty, in your holiness? Because I can tell you this, that your actions will go a lot farther than a word preached in this room. The way that you live your life, the way that you demonstrate your faith will carry a lot farther than any word that's mentioned in this room. Other than a prayer, I'll say that, because prayer goes a long way. But praying and fasting, and setting the Lord's plan before us and saying, I want that. I want to bring Him glory. Who cares about who's the best? It's Him. He is the greatest. He is my Savior, and I trust in Him. I cannot begin to tell you the power that was laid upon that child to see, to watch, and to listen, and to see it unfold. Is there anything in your life that you could be honest about? Say, man, I'm praying for this. And claim it. Say, I'm praying for this. Tell somebody, I'm praying for this. And I know that God will come through. It's not maybe going to be the answer that I want, but I can guarantee you that God answers prayer. How many of you are bold enough to say that, to, to live that, to demonstrate that? To say that he is the best. It's not about me trying to figure out what's the best plan. And, you know, I weighed the finances against the finances. And, you know, I I tried to play the best outcome. And I had all of these, you know, scenarios played out. And it was my brain that figured it out. No. How many of us, you know, see those things but also says, Lord, take it. Lord, take it. I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender to you. I'm ready to bring you glory with my life. I hope and pray that you can live a life of humility and honesty and holiness for your relationship with God, but also for the evidence of his glory to those around you, pointing others 
to Christ. You know, that being Father's Day, I'm thankful for all of the fathers in this room and your faith in bringing children here or pointing your children to Christ. And I can tell you that my experience with the Heavenly Father has brought me to this place, but I also have a, a great deal of thanks to, for my earthly father because he led me in the path of righteousness to, to pursue God, to pursue those things, humility and honesty and holiness. And so I have a great debt to him. But what can we do to continue that cycle, to point other people to Christ, to live a life that truly preaches the gospel is let our actions carry farther than our words by our faith, by the way that we live and trust God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, and your truth. Lord, as we come here today to, to worship your holy name, God, I, I just thank you for the way that you have pointed us to the cross. Lord, as Psalm 119 reminds us of the humility that we need, Lord, the dust that we came from, Lord, the grace that you have given us, Father, may we stand before you and see the need that we have for you in our life. Lord, that we have a need for the Savior. God, we thank you for your love in, the, in a way that, that we can be in your presence, that we can worship your name that we can stand in your truth. Lord, we praise you, and we thank you. Amen. You know, as we uh, enter this, this time of uh, reflection and, and praise, I, I just want to invite you to come forward and pray and, and ask God to, to reveal areas of your life that need transparency. Reveal to you areas of your life that, that maybe you could grow in, in humility and honesty and holiness. What are some things that, that we can surrender to God and say, Lord, you already know it all. I give it to you. I want to invite you to just take this time to, to pray as we praise. Thank you.